This evening on Nineworks, we find out what our patrons' first memories of Porsche are. Nineworks Radio is your dedicated Porsche and car podcast, taking you closer than ever to the world's finest sports cars and the culture and history behind them. The show is brought to you by nineworks.co.uk, the innovative online platform for Porsche enthusiasts. Hosted by Porsche journalist Lee Sibley and 993 owner and engineer Andy Brooks, with special input from friends and experts around the industry, including you, our valued listeners. Good day, Lee. How are you? Very well, Andy. How are you, my man? Good, good. Are you uh, back in the world of living? I hear you've been away this weekend. Yeah, I, I wouldn't quite describe it as being back in the world of living. No, it's, yeah, I'm on the struggle bus today. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, all good. And uh, yeah, people are my energy, people are my oxygen. So with, with that in mind, it's absolutely fantastic to be joined by quite a few people today. Uh, they are, of course, our Nineworks Patreons. Um, so welcome, guys and girls. I hope you're all well. Indeed, indeed lots of hands going up we've got them all muted at the moment um so just so they don't talk over each other but looking forward to um having a good chat about people's memories their first memories of porsches uh which was sort of came from your i mean we've been planning this episode to to have a patreon only episode for a while but um you had a good idea while you were away in norway um to to to, to sort of go on this particular subject yeah, I mean, we touched on it with in last week's episode with Thomas, but having a chat with the guys and girls from Porsche Club Norway, it just became very apparent that a lot of people's first memories or experiences or, you know, moment of exposure to Porsche has carried through to their ownership today, like to their ownership story. And, and uh, yeah, I just felt that was uncanny. And it, it just goes to show, I mean, everybody remembers their their, their first kind of Porsche memory or moment we hope uh, yeah. so anyway otherwise it's going to be a very short show well yeah this is <laughs> this is it but you know it's just it's it's obviously it's kind of stayed ingrained in in the brain ever since for a lot of people and i i just find that uncanny really um yeah. in some cases it's that's like not the case for for example like mine's one of them but it, it for a lot of people that first Porsche memory has proved to be an absolute critical moment in the ownership experience so with that in mind we're really looking forward to hearing uh, those first memories and experiences of our patreons in this episode i can't remember what yours was so can you recap it for us yeah right, yeah I, I will quickly because it's it's quite yeah, yeah. funny because my portion first portion moment wasn't a moment of inspiration or anything like that it was uh it was terror or horror <laughs> So my dad's my dad's friend turned up with a, a guard's red nine six four cabriolet and uh, and offered to take us out for a drive and oh yeah I remember I, that. yeah must have been say eight or nine at the time maybe and uh, yeah as I say you know lovely sunny day darting through the Essex countryside not too far from kind of Maxted Page sort of way actually yeah roof down and yeah just remember thinking what on earth is that noise coming from the back of the car obviously rather than the front. And, and yeah, I just was absolutely petrified that I was going to be like whipped up from underneath the seatbelt up and over, (laughs) yeah, up and over and into this, you know, just like raucous noise at the back. So, uh, yeah, it definitely left a mark, um, put it that way. But, uh, 
yeah, I think it was a few years later on before there were perhaps more kind of positive inputs from the Porsche world that came yeah, into yeah. To, to my life. But um, yeah, what about yours, Andy? Anyway, I, I vaguely remember a 930 Turbo in London. It was, yeah, 930 Turbo. Uh, again, guards red from from memory. Um, I would have been about 13, um, working at a local paper shop, um, doing like deliveries of papers in the morning. So it was an early morning, sort of 6, 6 a.m. job. Um waiting outside the front of the shop for the manager to come and open up and um there was a milk float out the front delivering milk as they do a bit of bread maybe <laughs> and uh <laughs> um he was stopped and it, it's this 911 sort of came up behind the milk float and had to wait and you know that was my first sort of real sighting of one i think and um he waited for this car to come the other way that was you know sort of blocking his way and then once that had gone he went past the milk float and just up the road and the roar and the, the speed was just like in awe you know a little 13 th year old in 1983 was like <gasps> look at that um so yeah that was my first real experience i guess and that's that's where what led me to to owning a 911 in some ways well, and, and this is it, Andy. So as we can see from your camera at the moment, you're in your garage and your 911 is behind you on the ramp. And the colour of that is Guards Red. It is, so it is. It carries is. through from your first yeah. moment to your present day. But I wouldn't have picked it. You know, it, uh, it was a, the colour was a compromise for me. Um, it's not my first choice. But now that I've had a Guards Red car, I absolutely bloody love it. And don't know if I'd yeah, change it for much. So, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's, But yeah, it's uncanny, isn't it? definitely definitely yeah and paul paul's asked uh what uh what how old were you at the time uh 13 at the time yeah yeah so yeah so look, that's that's a that's a really a really good example and you know serendipitous or not you know there there is definitely a a follow-through there from first oh yeah awesome moment to to the present so um look with that in mind let's get on a couple of our uh, dearly beloved and valued patreons and, and and have a chat with the guys and girls about their portion memory because i'm sure we're going to hear some fascinating stories here how sh how should we pick who's first should it be first that puts two fingers up yeah <laughs> oh there we go paul <laughs> right let's un unmute come on in yeah. paul. you need to unmute yourself there um, we go yeah we're here. hello paul this is paul van der Leyen we're we're speaking to well we've it's a, it's a tag team so we've got uh paul and deb so yeah. Well, yeah. Right, welcome thanks Hi. for joining us Hi, yeah. so do you want my story first Yes, Paul. Go for yeah, it. well, you were the okay. one with the two fingers. You were, you were out there, so <laughs> I was go just going to do that. Oh, <laughs> she's so rude. <laughs> Come okay. on then, Paul. My, my story is similar to yours, Andy. Um, and I know I've, um, you guys, Lee and Andy, you're, you've heard this before on the Road to Redline. Um, I was uh, a school kid, similar age to you. 13, 14, um, mid-70s. And um, I used to go to school and hate it. So to get out of school, I used to bunk off and get on the uh, overland train to Amersham from Aylesbury yeah. in towards London. And it took me a few, a few trips to work out that um, Auto Farm had a, um, a showroom right opposite the Amersham station. So I used to get off the train, jump out, walk down to Waterfarm's showroom and look in the window and see these cars. 
<laughs> so I, I wonder. I wonder if that nose print is still there now. It, it probably is. <laughs> well, unfortunately, you have gone somewhere else now. Obviously, yeah, boxing yeah. gas. But um, yeah, this is where Josh Sadler had it, and um, it was a, a very sort of niche market there, being a, a second-hand um, specialist in Porsches. And uh, one particular day, I did this. There was a, a white and green 2.7 RS in the showroom and you didn't see the green it was always blue or the red and i just fell in love with this car and uh, ever since then i've wanted one and uh, i'm never going to get one now <laughs> not, not unless i win the lottery but um yeah that, that that love for porsche and the 911 stayed with me right through till till now obviously Fantastic. And um, the, the story ends up with once I bought my 911 four, four years ago, Yeah, I actually took it back to Auto Farm to do a full health check on it. There's <laughs> a bit of a nostalgic nod to that first memory. Wow. Was Josh and still there at that time? He, he wasn't, unfortunately. But oh, um, I told them the story. Yeah. And they said, wow, well, you, you need to stay then. And uh, they showed me around and I had a full tour of the place. And that, incidentally, that was at the time when they they just got the uh, delivery of the um, the Trinidad two point seven. Yeah, they're still not finished that. No, it's still not. <laughs> it's a long running saga, isn't it? It is, yeah. But yeah, that that's my story, and uh, it's the passion for the nine eleven and Porsche is just grown now. Fantastic. And now owning the nine nine six, I'm with Lee singing their praises. Good, and good. you know what, though? That's awesome the way that has come full circle from, you know, being a young boy at the window to then being yeah. a grown man and walking in there. I think that's absolutely mm. awesome, Paul. Yeah. Absolutely awesome. Thank you. <laughs> and I've oh. got one too, if you want to hear mine. Yeah, yes, come on, Steph, please. It's yeah. like totally reversed. So um, the first car that I fell in love with, I was 12 years old and it was a Jeans Beetle, which was owned by one of my teachers who took me and my friend to a record shop at lunchtime, which I'm sure you're not allowed to do that. Because, <laughs> yeah, that sounds dodgy. <laughs> and, and it was a woman as well. She was obviously the coolest teacher in the whole school. And, um, and she bought the White Album by the Beatles, which was incredible. <laughs> so from that point on, like Volkswagens and curvy cars were just something I absolutely adored. Um, I used to, my dad was in the motor trade, so I used to go to hill climbs with him when from that age up until probably about sort of 13, 14 years old. And then it was like Morgan. So Morgan plus eights on hill climbs were just my favourite car in the world. Um, and then I got into like custom car stuff, just shows and things like that, Ford Pops and that kind of thing. But it was always curved cars, always like curvy cars. And then at the age of about 22 or 23, I moved to London and worked in Fleet Street and the Strand. And at the time, it was just before Canary Wharf was taking up for like finance and, and yeah. the papers and stuff like that. The real yuppie was, times. Oh, my God. Totally yuppie. Yeah. The pubs that we were going to then, it was just full of these guys. Fizz kids. Full of fizz kids. 930 <laughs> turbos in Guards Red. Yeah, and at the time that was just like I hated it, absolutely hated it because it was just that whole representation of 
for me then Porsche was just about that it was all yeah, about yeah, yeah. that ostentatious mm. sort of you know too much money kind of thing um and then when I met Paul nine years ago, and I know this sounds absolutely ridiculous, but I had no idea there was a link between Beatles and Porsche and anything like that. Yeah. And the moment he went, you do understand that actually this is, you know, the same thing. And, I, and the moment he said it, it was just like a penny dropped with me. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, my God, they, they do. Not necessarily, especially when you got your 996, yeah. because yeah. that has the curves of those sort of cars. And then that's what made me get my 986, to be honest. And it's Fantastic. kind of like from then on, that was it. Just yeah. kind of so, all fell into place. So <laughs> when are you getting the retrim on the Boxster with uh, the denim seats oh then. my god <laughs> that, that needs to be done best. now Debs well, come on it was the best thing about her car it was like we literally got in and it was completely and I think there was like there was a, a pop song out at the time I can't remember blue jeans or something like that and she yeah. got that car I think probably the year it came out and it yeah. was just like what is this they were cool weren't they I remember yeah, they yeah 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 you need to get some denim inserts for your seats then <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. That's yeah, great. so that's mine. <laughs> no, I love you. that. And 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 again, like what um what I'd like to ask you, Deb, is you guys are out most weekends in the cars, like you know, we see it on your on your Instagram page. So like I absolutely love that. So you've really immersed yourself in Porsche culture since yeah. I would hope that you've realized uh, that their culture has perhaps changed since the 80s. Totally. <laughs> totally. Because that was also at the period of like the Athena posters of girls with their bum showing in tennis dresses and yeah, that yeah, whole thing. I mean, fantastic I days. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's definitely different now. It doesn't feel oh, like, sure. yeah. Yeah. It's totally different now. And I would love my car. So it's just like the best thing. Well, the whole of society has changed, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? I mean, there's a different view on all sorts of things. Some yeah. good, some better, yeah. you know, some not so good. But uh, I thought it was an interesting view on how you can view something as being so about that. I knew nothing about Porsche, but that's what I labelled it. With but, but then yeah. you labelled it yeah. because of the people that were yeah associated probably. with those cars. It wasn't the car, but then was, you know, yeah. they love their cars. I'm sure. Yeah. So yeah, the, the the funny thing is, it, it could have been. Um, the guy up the high street who Andy saw in the morning doing his paper yeah. round was nipping into town to then yeah. be a very important yuppie yeah. that you saw on his lunch break or whatever. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, the I agree guy. with that, Paul. They definitely have Lambos now. Yes. That's, <laughs> I, I, I think that too. I think that too. Yeah. yeah. Cracking. Excellent. Absolutely thank cracking. Yeah. Paul and Deb, thank you for that. That's that awesome. Thanks for enlightening us. Um, who's going to go next then? Who, which, which patron? Alex. Alex Brody. Hello. Hello, Alex. Alex. How are you? Good, thank you. I've been joined by the Hound. Mate, <laughs> I love that. I love that. Can I just say, because you you joined us for the Nine Works uh, interview with Pinky Lie uh, on yeah. Zoom a couple of, I think it was six weeks ago. And again, you were chilling in the garden with a dog. So you're just living the dream you are. <laughs> oh, it, it's all smoke and mirrors, mate. I, if you could only see what's happened. I've just dashed back from work. Uh a little thing popped up reminding me I had this. I was like, oh, my God, right. <laughs> so uh, I've got some burgers on the grill that the wife's looking at me through the kitchen window. Like, yeah, oh, best, best not be burning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then uh, Chewy, as in Chewbacca, as he's trying <laughs> <me. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> Quality dog. 
but she's not mic'd up and she hasn't got headphones in, so she can't hear what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> has, she, has she got a, a first Porsche memory story? I don't think she has. She has been in the Porsche. I've got a 996 C4S, and yeah. uh, she's, she's been in that with me for a few little trips, but she gets uh, she gets travel sick, so it's probably best that she doesn't yeah. spend too much time inside the car. <laughs> um, my my story is fairly, um, fairly bland and boring, but I'll just tell you that... So, <clears throat> when i was born and raised up in the northwest in bolton there weren't too many horses flying around and so most of my early day exposure in my formative years was through tv and film um and so films like i mean the two that stick in my mind were the very first bad boys film where the whole opening sequence is a beautiful turbo um that now is probably worth 200 plus you know okay um and then there was another film, less well-known, but with Nicolas Cage called um, Gone in 60 Seconds. Yeah, yeah. From memory, it's a silver Gen 1 996 in the very first opening sequence that they, they steal. You know, they, they bust it from a showroom um, and it, it rides off. I think they drive it through the glass uh, <laughs> of the showroom. And it's very dramatic. Uh, I think the sound, though, the sound editor must have just put on a random kind of V8 to it because it doesn't sound... <laughs> It just doesn't sound like, yeah, it doesn't sound like a flat six. But so for me, they were always kind of unattainable objects. You know, I I didn't really see them in real life. I saw them on the silver screen. And then when I was lucky enough, uh, probably 12 years ago now, to get my first 996, I got a Gen 1 C4. So narrow body, but it was black and it had a tan interior. And I was just absolutely obsessed with that combination. A lot of people were like, oh, that's a really weird combination. And I was like, no, I, I absolutely love that combination. <laughs> as, as does Paul. I can see Paul saying he agrees. <laughs> um, so I bought it from a, not a dodgy dealer, but just a little independent guy uh, that I found in the Northwest. Went up to him, uh, put the deposit down, said I'll be back in a couple of weeks to pick it up. And in that two-week period, found out my wife was pregnant with our first child. <laughs> Um, went back and you know, kind of told him jokingly that, oh, can I have my deposit back? And he was like, no, no way. So I uh, <laughs> managed to managed to keep the car for a year, run it for a year um, before the financial thing meant we had to get rid of it and start, you know, being sensible for a few yeah. years. Um, <laughs> and then fast forward to, you know, uh, two years ago when I got um, the new, nine, well, my 996 C4S back and uh, I was really pleased to get that. So it was just nice to come kind of full circle, really. She, She's sat in the garage and uh, she's just been detailed by a really good guy up in Nottingham. Um, and, you know, it just, it's just an amazing thing. Really, I just, for what I thought when I was a growing lad, was kind of an unattainable, you know, sports car, premium sports car. I'm just really pleased to get, get my hands on one. So for me, it was just the exposure through TV and films, really, and, and obviously magazines as well. I must watch that um, Bad Boys again. I haven't seen it for years. The, the first one's the best by far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah well, the second one was awful from what I can remember. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I must uh, revisit that and watch that uh, just, first bit again. Just watch, just watch the first ten minutes. That's yeah, all that's, that's needed. Fantastic. Thank you. Okay. There's, there's, there's a couple of films. Uh, perhaps we might explore this later in the episode, depending on what the other uh, Patreons say for their, their their memories. But there were a few films that had kind of Porsches featured prominently in that I've heard a couple of times. It was that was their kind of celestial moment almost. Yeah. Um, which almost compile a list of like memorable films with Porsches in because I, I think like the uh, the list is going to be exhaustive. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I think we should. <laughs> 
Cool. Thank you very much, Alex. Much appreciated. Yes. Cheers, Alex. Enjoy the burgers yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't yeah. Well, don't get onto those before they burn. <laughs> yeah. If you see me disappear off screen, you know where I've gone. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Right then. Who's next? James is up. Uh, Hello. From, oh, there he is. Yep. James Chu. How are you? Not too bad. Thanks. Not too bad. In Ireland, uh, if I'm correct. You are correct, indeed. Um, and my story is not too dissimilar from Alex's um, in that I can't remember seeing any Porsches growing up in the 80s in Ireland. And Whereabouts in I, Ireland are you? I mean, I'm, I'm in Wicklow, North Wicklow. Well, I, I yeah. grew up in Dublin. Um and the first thing I was trying to, it was, it was much my, my father's choices in cars. My father was never into cars. So if, if some people might remember it, something called a Polsky Fiat, oh. which, uh, which later became known as a Lada. Uh, so he had a 125 is my first ever car memory, which if you're ever drawing a car as a three or four year old, it's literally yeah. that three box <laughs> yeah. shape. Um, I bought I one that, of those for 25 quid from um, somebody around the corner. <laughs> I had it I for think about that, three weeks. Yeah, I think my dad bought his story new, about that. And, that, and that's all it was worth when he sold it a couple of years later. I think the yeah. bottom was practically falling out of it. Yeah, um, Brilliant. But he moved from one of them to like a, a Renault 18 estate and then a Ford Sierra. So nothing particularly auspicious. But he moved to Switzerland when I was when I was seven. And I remember going over. I used to go over and spend the summer there. And I think I must have been about eight or nine, so like 89, 90. We went to a barbecue um, at a friend's place, and one of his friends, who was Irish, who moved over there as well, turned up in a in a white 911 with. And I just remember it had the Carrera script along the side, and yeah. this was the coolest thing I had ever seen. And I couldn't believe that someone who my dad worked with and knew was able to have a Porsche. I thought this was the the most amazing thing in the world ever. So that was kind of if like one day i want to own one of these was kind yeah. of the the formative thought but e exactly the same as alex um saw bad boys when i was whatever age whatever 14 15 and i remember when you used to ask the question on road to redline about who was your porsche icon i was always waiting for someone to say mike larry or, or will smith yeah. uh, because that <laughs> that for me was just like the coolest car i wanted that car so badly i wanted a 964 um but uh after that i moved to one to a 993 but uh things were a little less obtainable so actually my first porsche was uh when i was 24 i bought on ebay i bid for it in like with like 20 seconds to go bought a, red, a guards red 944 um in swindon of all places so i had to fly over and get it and come back in a car i'd never driven <laughs> and uh, how bad but, was it <laughs> actually not bad actually, i got i got very lucky i got very lucky um so it was actually it was it was decent it was i only i could i couldn't afford to insure it was the problem so i only could keep it for a few months and then i then i but i actually sold it and made money on it over here uh, unbelievably um but uh, then it was sort of life kind of got in the way so weddings and children's and houses and whatnot um so only last year then i finally um pulled the trigger i got a, a 911 um 997.1 carrera 4s um so it's a, a 2006 um and the only thing i could find was a tiptronic but i mostly use it for going into the office once a week and then a weekend blast so in the in the daily rush hour tiptronic is absolutely fine but um it was it was just it was just ever since that early memory it was just i i 
have to have one whenever I can. And yeah. now, luckily enough, um, able to do so. So I, I spent years and years trawling auto trader. It would, it would almost be like on a three or four month cycle. You know, I'd go into auto trader and start looking, seeing what I could afford. And uh, yeah, I just, I spent probably, I don't know, about 25 years doing that. And then finally got around to actually doing it. <laughs> yeah. That was probably a good, because uh, I remember I was looking at Boxsters for a while as well. Like I remember I had to actually think about cars that I test drove. I test drove a Boxster back in 2011. So it would have been a good, and that was just not too long before got married. So I think at that point it was parked. And I remember exactly the same. I remember looking at a 993. It was a, it was a 95 or 96 Targa. Um, and it was 19,000 euro. <laughs> uh, and thinking oh I should it was it was literally that was the deposit for the house after we got married sitting in my bank account and thinking I really want that but I can't and, <laughs> and now looking at the fact that I could have like there was one went here exactly the same sort of spec for 75,000 euro um, so yeah which I think it might have been a better investment than a house but uh, I don't <laughs> think it was possible to convince the fiance at the time but no I'm happy with where I've ended up Oh, that is awesome. And, and and you mentioned at the time, like kind of growing up, you didn't see too many Porsches. Has has that changed? I mean, we uh, popped over to Ireland a couple of times and there, there seems to be a, like, a growing community there, I'd say. Oh, absolutely. And I'm in the Porsche club, um, Porsche club here and the sort of regular drives and things. And and even I, I went for a drive in the Wicklow Mountains um, a couple of months back and just randomly bumped into someone in a 964 who was taking it out for a spin. But you see Macans and um, KNs everywhere. And there's, there's, there's a good few 911s and Caymans and Boxers around there. They're, they're, I wouldn't say common, but there's, there's a heck of a lot floating around, I think. Uh, and a lot of them come from the UK and yeah. the north. It's a lot harder now post-Brexit. There's a lot of tax importing them. Um, but um, there was sort of a, a, good, a good trade in them going on. Um, you, don't, you don't see too many. Like if you look, I, I still look. Um, I'm obliged to keep searching. So our main website, there's only really about 15 911s for sale at any time. Uh, yeah. in the country and um, yeah. so it's, it's it's relatively tight like yeah yeah, yeah. well i mean you're as you know james you're blessed with some outstanding drivers roads over there so it's it's nice that you've got a perfect tool for the job i'd say yeah, absolutely Sorry. yeah fantastic absolutely fantastic a dream realized so yeah thank Indeed. you for that. We, thank uh, you. that that's awesome to hear your story so thank you james should we unmute toby next go on then yes go on then yes so thank Hello, you toby. this is toby dyer Hello, Good to hello. See you, Toby, at, who was our first Patreon, if I remember correctly. Would you believe? Yes. I was like, what is this Patreon thing? Why yeah. is there no one signed up? I thought I'd give it a go. And I get a <laughs> message saying, hey, you're our first one. I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you for, for your continued support, Toby. That's all right. Yes, very, very, very kindly received. I think I've listened to every single one of these. And, uh, I was a bit of a late one with the Road to Redline. I think uh, you were quite a few episodes in before I started. And didn't you start going through your car histories or something? I we seem did, to remember. Yeah. I think that was our first sort of introductory episodes. The first two episodes were, were us going through our um, history of cars, which was yeah quite interesting for, well, for, from what I can remember. <laughs> yeah, it was, I was hooked. Right? I was hooked and I was... Uh, yeah, then I, I've listened to all of them since. And what number are we? You're coming up to 100 soon, aren't you? We will. The last um, episode of this series will be 100 episodes, including all of the wow. Road to Redline and the Nine Works radios. Yeah. 
Wow, well, amazing kudos to both of you and uh, Joe formally and, and all your guests because uh, it really is you know, the amount of time you spend on this is uh, is fantastic. So thank you for your community efforts. It's it's, it's great and uh, yeah, honoured to uh, partake today. Um, my story is a little bit different. We I was born in South London. Um, my dad worked for a big global corporation, so we spent quite a lot of my youth moving between countries uh, and I've probably spent a lot of my younger years in the US and so I was very exposed to US car culture. Whereabouts and in the US? In uh, North Carolina particularly. Yeah. And um, so for me it was about Trans Ams, about Corvettes. I remember one of my friends, his mum wasn't she worked in the airline with us. She was a stewardess or something, and she had this Corvette, this white Corvette. It was amazing, right? And that was like, wow. And uh, so I was really big on American cars. And then uh, we decided to get a new family car, and we were going to get a European car. I thought, what is it, European cars? So we went down to, we ended up with a VW 1978 or late 70s camper van. I was like, oh, my God, this is rubbish. Right? <laughs> if you're really into muscle cars, right, and you end up with this camper van, it was it was awful. And uh, we used to go camping because I was the oldest of the four kids. Whenever we parked up, I got shipped out to the tent outside the camper van, and they were inside. Uh, <laughs> so I hated this thing. And uh, I was like, why can't we have a cool car? Right? And there's so many cool American cars. So we came back to the uh, UK, uh, relocated again. And I was in school in Kingston and I would walk past the American car center in Kingston every oh, single day. I remember day. that. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, 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 I do. I've spent a lot of time. In, I was born in Kingston um, and grew up in Motspa Park. So just, you know, not so far along. But I remember the American car center. Yeah. yeah. It was awesome. I would walk past there to school, from school, every single day. And I was looking at these cars. And uh, so I was really fixed and under. Films, talk about films, Smokey and the Bandit. Oh, yeah. Oh, I loved that movie. I was like hooked on that. And that Trans Am, I wanted one of those Trans Ams so badly. And uh, so I was into these, these cars. And um, but then one day I'm driving with my dad, and he's got this Mark II Red Cavalier hatchback 1.6L. That's his company car. <laughs> and uh, he was a smoker. I mean, it's crazy now, but he would he was smoking his cigarettes in the car. Like, there's no window open. Now, there's me, a little kid, stuck in all these fumes. I mean, like parenting back then was quite different to how it is now. Right? <laughs> and uh, and this car goes past, and it's uh, it's a white sports car. It goes past in the fast lane. I said, "Wow, what is that?" He said, "That son is a Porsche." And it had turbo in the back, and it was a 944 turbo. I know it now. And I thought this thing was stunning. I said, uh, so oh, I didn't know about these, these, these Porsches. And uh, he said, yes. He said, let me tell you a story. He said, um, he worked for this big American corporation. He said, a few years ago, I was working with this guy, and he, he left to start his own company, and he wanted me to go with him. And I said, no. I'm staying here, safe job. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to take the risk. And he got quite bitter at that point. He said, now 
he drives around in a car just like that. As he's driving, he's beaten up Vauxhall Cavalier. And, he, and that moment, I realised that is success. <laughs> that car success. I went home and I found a car magazine. I found two pictures. One was a white Lamborghini Countach. The next was a 930 red turbo. And I took those pages out of the magazine and I put them at the end of my bed on the wall. And I said, that is success. <laughs> and from that moment, I'd always wanted to have one of those two cars. And, uh, well, yes, it took me a long, long time, but it was imprinted. That very much. I can still remember that journey Fantastic. in that car with my dad. I can remember the white 944 Turbo going past, and I've always wanted one. I've never quite pulled the trigger on a 944 Turbo. But it's I coming now. I can day, feel it. I can feel it. I still look. I still look. And yeah, yeah one day. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I love that story, mate. That was brilliant. And it took some conjoling to get Toby on tonight. I was, what's the word? Just kept poking away at you to come on. And it's like, man, my story is not going to be very interesting. But yeah, I thought that was fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, spot on. Absolutely spot on. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank, Thank you, Toby. Um, shall we have a bit of Miss, Miss, Mr. Pressland? Absolutely. I have to say it's incredibly um, uh, heartening and interesting and amusing hearing all the stories. And, and we, I think we can all relate to them, uh, which is great. I'm going to try and do a bit of techno here. Uh, is it going to come on as a background? Yeah, that's what I'm trying, Andy. It's <laughs> I'm getting in touch with my techno side. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Let's see if this works. Yes. Look at oh, that! Look at that! Is that Sepia Brown? Can you see Sepia Brown Longhood? Yeah, we can see it. Okay, fantastic. So, um, I was born and brought up down here on the south coast, um, uh, which um, Andy and uh, Lee know well. And uh, my parents had separated, gone their separate ways. My dad was living in London, um, and the reason I ask about sort of ages because I think you. Very impressionable. And I was similar age to you, Andy. The everybody about 13, 14 years old. And my dad comes down for a weekend to my grandparents' house. And we get dropped off in the stepfather's probably Fort Granada or something, whatever it was. I don't know. No, console. I think it was a console at the time. In the drive was that car. And it's like, what is that? <laughs> yeah pretty different you you never saw them on the road did you uh, wherever you lived in the well maybe if you lived in london you, you did but you just never saw them i mean if you look at the numbers of, of the cars sold they were they were so few and far between so this was the sort of 74 75 and this is a 73 2.4 s uh sepia brown sort of tartany interior from memory and so we went and had lunch, and then my dad said, "Oh, would you like to go for go for a ride?" Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> and uh, so go outside, and I made the fatal mistake as a child: get in the front seat, and I pulled the door, but you didn't pull it hard enough. And I remember my dad saying to me, "No, no, no, you need to give it a good good pull." And then that was the first time I heard the Porsche clunk as the door. <laughs> <laughs> and then we left, uh, went. Um, down through sort of Lilliput around that way. And we turned up Lilliput Road. So you're going up that hill 
Yeah. And I just remember, I probably won't repeat the, the speed he was doing, but we went <laughs> up that hill and the back end hunkered down, second, third gear, absolutely screaming up that hill. And, and the, 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 the sensations and, the, the, and the, the thoughts that came through my mind. And, uh, and then we took it back to the grandparents' house and, and, and that was the first memory. Uh, so cool. So that, that picture, Paul, is that you in the car? No, it's not. Uh, that's his uh, then wife. Um, and uh, so uh, it's actually reversed. It's the other way around. But if you notice, uh, it's she's in the passenger seat. So it's definitely a right hand drive car because there's only one ring mirror as well. And it's uh, not yeah. an oil clapper because it's um, uh, not got the um, uh, the the, uh, um, the extra uh, filler. Uh, which yeah. apparently apparently they had to stop after a year because in the states they kept trying to fill it up. Yeah. Uh, fuel. Uh, so that was my first uh, first memory, and uh, and it sort of went from there. So he was working in London, and the next time, hopefully it's going to work. So I should get out of the way. Um, you can try and guess what that is and the year. That's my dad and my younger sister. That looks uh, nice. looks like there's a turbo wing on there. Yeah, I'd say maybe a seventy-six turbo with the with that side script. Yeah, oh, so, so your dad looks pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> so um, and notice the ADO in the background, the Austin uh, thirteen hundred. So that's a. I'm not sure. It's a, I think it's a seventy-five. Um, as you can't really see in the picture there, but there's a chrome, the chrome sort of round wing mirror. Uh, it's either a seventy-five or seventy-six, but um, white red tartan interior yeah um now that was a very different sensation the the, the, the whole as we all know nothing happens nothing happens, then all hell breaks loose at once when you go in one of those um so that was my that, well you can yeah that was it i was toast i mean porsches were going to go going through my blood for the rest of my life so but it took a <laughs> long time uh to 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 get to a 911 um and uh so, but my first Porsche was a copper metallic 924 uh, left-hand drive, four-speed with, um, with what is it, 3M tape? Somebody put 3M tape stripes on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was an absolute, not a great car, but that was my first, uh, my, my first experience with a, with a Porsche, but the 911 took a lot longer than that. Mm. And, uh, so... And, I, but, I, I think, uh, Paul, I think it'd be worth, um, if you don't mind, just telling a bit of the story uh, regards your affinity with turbo cars, because it, it starts with that picture behind, really, and kind of went on from there with you know, the Martini and, and whatnot. I, I think that's it's a really, really lovely story. <clears throat> OK, so um, after that white turbo, my father got a copper bronze metallic turbo and... Um, lovely car uh i mean an amazing color particularly now people sort of really hanker after it but then um it culminated in uh his final actually not quite final turbo but after that he uh was able to acquire the either 77 or 1978 motor show martini turbo and uh i spent a lot of time in that car uh, with him and it was also he did a hundred thousand miles in it in, in the time he had it <laughs> uh he was a veterinary surgeon based on lavender hill and he used to park it out lavender hill in in, in uh, battersea 
and he used to park it outside the surgery. You know, we had those shop units where they had a bit of space at the front, so he used to park it outside there, and it was just parked out there, and he'd go drive drive it. Uh, his his hobby, which became a business with collecting um, old um, template uh, toys, and he used to drive around the country and I used to go with him on occasions. And that was the car that Magnus Walker saw and inspired him. To, that actual very car was the one uh, that inspired Magnus Walker. And if you go into the, his history and what he talks about, I think there's videos on YouTube about it. And my father had that car for 100,000 miles, sold it. And um, just somebody who ran the Porsche club in Kent, who then subsequently sold it to a chap called Howard Watts, who still has that very car and was the one that lent it to Porsche East London when Mag- Magnus was re- reunited with it. That car sucked hugely in my memory. And uh, while um, cruising the internet in sort of 2010, 11, uh, I spotted um, a Martini Turbo for sale online at a dealer in Yorkshire. And I don't think they really knew what they had, but the car had been slightly wallied. It had a wide steering wheel. It had side skirts, but it had a really interesting um, and consistent history. So I went up to look at it, agreed to buy it over the phone, got there. And it was absolutely a proper martini, Dr. Furman seats, red, white, and blue interior. Um, so agreed to buy it. And um, so then I had that, that car. And um, then I was approached by Porsche uh, uh, through Bournemouth, through um, Leon, who's now with um, Trade, that we all um, saw and met. And they said they would restore that car. Um, so it became a project for them. Uh, went, to, went to Reading. Um, Leon did, when he was at Paul Accident Repair, did the bodywork. And then he went to Reading for mechanical work. But I didn't let them touch the interior. The interior has a certain patination. Um, so that was left as it was. And um, so, yeah, and I still own that car 10, 12 years later. And uh, did 300 and something miles in it at the weekend, leaving early Sunday morning. And uh, it still gives me a goosebumps whenever I drive it. And so it's a lot of memories in a, in a special, special car. Yeah, that's so awesome. So awesome. Well, I, I wondered what uh, your dad thought when it was kind of maybe role reversal and you pulled up to his with the martini car, you know? Well, actually, he, uh, he came down to stay for a weekend and I hadn't told him about it. And um, so uh, I said, oh, got a little something in the garage to show you. And uh, sort of push the old blip thing and uh, goes up the door and he goes, oh, right, okay. Not, I bet <laughs> um, you asked, is it the one? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's not the one. But there are yeah. two 3.3s in existence uh, in white with the stripes and there's a black one, which is also owned by Howard Watts. Um, and then there are some three litres, which um, your uh, guest the other week, uh, week before last, Ian Harris discovered. Uh, which yeah. is a wonderful story, which I'm sure we enjoyed, all enjoyed listening to. And that car's now Williams Crawford, but that's a three litre. Um, right. And that is, I, I'm i not convinced there are any more than the ones that are known now, because there are a number that have come up for sale. But if you look at the interiors, they do not have Dr. Furman seats. And I think there's a few people over the years who've tried to replicate them and, and, and sell them as, as martinis. Uh, so to answer your question, Lee looked at it and I said, come on, let's go for a drive. Um, and, um, so, uh, we went off and, uh, 
uh, went for a drive. He said, oh, it's just like I remember as we're hitting second at about 60 miles an hour down Sandbanks <laughs> Road. Yeah, oh, yes, it's great. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, yeah. So that uh, was a, uh, yeah, a really lovely uh, moment. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and as you know, as you say, we all kind of really uh, spurned or spawned your affinity with those kind of turbo cars, which is is really nice to to hear that. Yeah. I, I don't suppose have you ever tried to track down that sepia brown car, mate, even of, out of interest, just to see kind of where where it is these days? Yeah, um, unfortunately, uh, my father hasn't got any records of it. We can't find a uh, a picture with the number plate, so um, struggling a bit. Um, James at Sports Purpose has tried to help out. Um, but we're, we're struggling. Uh, it's a shame because uh, that's an iconic 70s colour, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So unfortunately, yeah, have tried, but no, I'm afraid not. Mm. Maybe one day. Yeah, to be continued, no doubt. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you, Paul. Brilliant. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, I've got a um, something from Steve Rayner. Um, he couldn't make it this evening, but he recorded a little um, ditty of his first memory. So I'll um, play that and uh, we can have a, a little comment about it at the end. Hi, guys. Um, thanks for giving us Patreons a chance to take part in the in the podcast. I think for me, the first memories I've po- I have of Porsche is from toys and computer games as a child rather than seeing actual cars on the road. I had a Transformer toy whose original, original vehicle was a white martini livery 935 turbo race car called Jazz. It was well played with and a, and a great toy to have as a kid. Then it was probably moved on to Scalatrix cars. A friend had, had the Le Mans set, which had a 962C with lights. Totally amazing as a kid. And we spent ages racing with the room lights off to repli- replicate nighttime at Le Mans. <laughs> then on to Tamiya Raging Troll cars. The 959 was the desired car at the time. But much like the real thing, it was rare as it was an expensive kit. It had a highly detailed body shell which looked great in the box art Rothmans colours and a tightly packaged chassis with aluminium dampers and remote oil reservoirs and came with a legendary Technigold motor. I still love one today, but they're very expensive, being one of the few kits from that era that Tamiya haven't re-released yet, making them quite hard to find. Most of them are now shelf queens and not used much, which, like the real thing, is a bit of a shame. The Black 928 in the arcade game HHQ also sticks in my mind. The game swallowed up many coins whenever I saw it in an arcade. And then moving forward to my time, only many different Mark II Golfs. Porsche parts were often used as upgrades. 924 and 944 scripted door handles could be fitted to the Golfs. Porsche calipers and Design 90 wheels were popular. And I remember an amazing white and blue Mark II that was fitted with a 944 2.5 engine and drivetrain. The final thing, though, that really showed me how great these cars are was a lap of the Nürburgring during one of our Club GTI annual trips in August 2005. I managed to get a lap with a Swedish guy called Anders, who was very experienced there in his Speed Yellow 996.1 GT3 Club Sport, with GT3 as an actual road league number plate. I remember strapping myself into the bucket seat with the fire extinguisher mounted between my feet, and we headed out at the same time as one of the M5 ring taxis. The lap was immense, on another level to what I was doing in my track-prepped golf. Swapping positions with the taxi over the duration of the lap, and when we returned to the car park, Anders went straight over and checked what tyres the taxi was using, as he was annoyed that he couldn't get away from it out on track. It turned out the taxi had sticky, barely road-legal track day tyres fitted, Michelin Cups or Cups 2, I think, whichever around at the time, and he swore to get a set for his GT3, so he wouldn't be beaten again. <laughs> I guess all of those sowed the seed and led me to get my 40th anniversary in 996 in September 2010. It gets used regularly, and I've even taken it to the Nürburgring, but didn't lap anywhere near as quick as in that GT3. Cheers. All the best. Thanks, guys. 
Spot oh, on. Thanks, Steve. Absolutely spot on. Yeah, great recollection. It's uh, it's interesting actually. The um, the games, isn't it? Anybody? Gran Turismo. Gran Turismo. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah, the Yellow Bird was just the best car. I mean, that must have really that must must have made roof. Not just that video of the car, the Yellow Bird going round the round the the Nurburg, but actually that the the video game must have made that company really. I think it all helps in in terms yeah. of kind of um, putting it out there to an international audience. I I'd said on a, a recent video for Nine Works TV that kind of growing up for me, while there wasn't a, a Porsche on my bedroom wall on a poster, part of the fascination just as a kid growing up was was Need for Speed Porsche Two Thousand, you know, and as i mentioned in the video there's kind of this kind of nice yeah poetic justice in the end that like you know back as a kid you could race these 996s that were obviously heavily pixelated and whatnot by today's standards with the graphics but um it's nice to be able to kind of drive and, and own the real thing and have that on your on your drive so i think you know yeah the games did play a role but also films as i said um and you know people mention um Condorman and uh, Bad Boys. No one's mentioned. If you've not seen it, this is to to, to anybody listening at home. Check out um, No Man's Land with uh, what's that. his name with Charlie Sheen. Oh yeah, yeah. Watch No Man's Land. It's basically uh, just as a very quick synopsis about a guy whose business is stealing Porsches. <laughs> like <laughs> honestly, it's set in the states, etc. But they're, they're like honestly, you lose count of how many Porsches are in that film. There are absolutely loads of them, and, and it's all like the air cooled like long bonnet stuff, so like proper vintage Porsches. But that that is that is the crux of the film. Like, a guy whose business is is stealing these old Porsches. Now, I I get like by the the, the plot um, subject that it's not going to be like the most aspirational thing in the world, but like for like. <laughs> The decent Porsche content, like definitely check that out, one hundred percent. Check that out. I'd, I'll be cruising uh, Netflix later then. Yeah, no yeah, honestly, land. yeah, one hundred percent. It was the, the guys at Sharkworks told me about it because they, they've they've mentioned it a couple of times, and I, I'm sure I've got a copy somewhere um, on DVD, Andy. If, if if there's still a DVD player out there, <laughs> I, I've but, got um, a DVD player. Yeah, in the, my this house. is <laughs> the thing. It's completely obsolete now. But um, yeah, honestly, yeah, no man's land. That check check it out with Charlie Sheen fantastic fantastic um i've also got a note from tom montgomery sorry about the pronunciation of montgomery i'm just useless aren't I? um he he's he's stuck on the train it's effing train strike was his uh comment um so he wanted to come on come on tonight but um can't make it and he said that his um here's here's my first porsche experience apart from drawling at 930 turbos in various marinas in pool belonging to yuppie types down from london from london this is uh, sounds like a same sort of time as deb's story doesn't it um (laughs) <laughs> and he says a category i awfully fit into now <laughs> in brackets <laughs> fantastic um was when i began sailing with legendary guy who owns company power man which were serviced power stations pretty niche career um so tom does a lot of sailing i think he's in um i think he's actually in competition sailing um due to the legalities or lack of them 
um, I will say. I was aged over 20 and Mr. Powerman had a white Porsche 928 with Powerman down the side. I'm guessing like the Carrera script, but um, the word Powerman. Obviously, due to the upstanding citizen he saw in me, he let me have the keys so I could pick up something we needed for the boat he'd left five minutes away at another yacht club. One hour, 15 minutes later, I returned without the part I'd gone to pick up, an empty tank of fuel and a detention having done a flyby pass past my school at speed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, see where the detention is there. Uh, I have been a Porsche addict ever since. Um, fantastic. And he says, yeah, that was it. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah, what, what a f- first experience. So how old was he? We'll have to find out. Yeah, he's still at school. Wow, good story, good story. Fantastic. But but again, it was something that, that Paul had mentioned earlier on, you know, that you, as a your first memory is as, as an impressionable young child, and it just seems to kind of stick through to adulthood where, yeah, the aspiration is to, is to own that car and I suppose own a, own a slice of the dream that you saw through through those um, youthful eyes yeah, previously. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like it's like the ever men ever man's every man's dream car, isn't it? The Porsche. It's, it's, there's it's just attainable. It's yeah, if you work hard and be successful, as Toby would say. <laughs> yeah, that is that is success. I think as well, it'd be worth um, saying, like you know, let's continue this uh, if we can, and and if we get an, enough responses in over the coming weeks. So if if people listen at home, if you'd like to share your first story to us. Drop us an email. It's uh, hello at nineworks.co.uk or via one of our social media channels, and, and we'll read it out. Or, or you know, if you'd like to send a, a voice note via Instagram, of course, we can we can play that note. But yeah, as I say, it's always really good to hear these stories and and just how it seems to have shaped people's kind of journeys since. Absolutely, I think one of the things can I just say? I think it's the accessibility, right? That they're, they're aspirational, but they're also very accessible which yeah. marks them out from many, many other brands. I can't think of another one. And, uh, you know, there's something for everyone. We talk about it a lot. You do on the pod, but, uh, yeah, you've got your, your supercar versions. You've got your 924s. You've got everything in between. And uh, I think that's what makes it special. People aspire to having these, but, you know, okay, so you have to, you know, sometimes if you've got a family, et cetera, you might have to wait a little bit longer. But yeah. there's always something for everyone any time in your life and uh, i think that's what makes them really really great cars yeah de- definitely and, and particularly like a you know a brand that's so universally admired um and the, the reality is that meanwhile there are some of the cars some of those cars that you can pick up for the same price as a used hatch you know but obviously carry a, a lot more um gravitas i suppose in terms of that kind of inspirational note or element yeah. so it's yeah there's I, I agree there's nothing else out there quite like it yeah it's quite quite unique isn't it yeah, agreed. And as, as Paul has just popped in the comments, you know, Paul says it makes it important for all of us to engage with the young interested in the cars. You know, it doesn't take much effort. And, you know, it, it agreed because it, it, these young people are tomorrow's enthusiasts. And it's probably more important than ever before that we harness that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So what are we saying? Take, pick up a kid from the street corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was trying my best. Problem. I was trying my best not to put it that way, <laughs> Andy. Um, but I do also think that the way the company has diversified into um, 
um, Kayan, KN, whatever you want to call it, and McCann, uh, and that side has allowed people, and, and the point you make, Toby, different times in your lives, you've got family, you've got commitments, and, and, and it allows the, but it, it's, allows people to get into the brand and then that moment uh, it draws people back into the 996s the 993s the 964s uh, and and the transaxle cars it, it, i think that's really important and we would not have any of the 911s if they had not diversified as a company i mean that they were on the, on their knees uh, at yeah. a certain point and the fact is that they um took a really brave i mean the can came out that was a brave shout oh wasn't it yeah is that 20 years 20 years it's, ago now yeah 20, 20 years porsche is celebrating 20 years of the cayenne currently so it's mad, it's mad isn't it when you think about it you know there's other you know, performance car companies that are, have only just bought out yeah. suvs in the last couple of years and there's some that haven't even bought their first ones out yet yeah ferrari i think are about to and um, so lead 20 years of engine management lights yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say, you know, like it's it's kind of well documented that the the sales success of the Cayenne saved the company at the start of the millennium. And twenty years on, I'm pretty sure the after sales element of Cayenne's parts and replacement bits and labour associated is is steering them on to producing things like 911Rs and STs and funding all <laughs> of that sort of, you know, Porsche exclusive development. I'm sure. So yeah, unfortunately, you're right. <laughs> How many lights have you got on at the moment, Lee? Um, just, I think just the two at the moment. So yeah, pretty, pretty anemic on that front, but yeah, just the obligatory engine management light and then the fuel light as well. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. uh, Yeah. So somebody said to me, what's your favorite car? I said, it's one with the full tank at the moment. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I was uh, saying to Lee earlier that I wasn't looking forward to putting some fuel in that behind me. Um, because the, you know, obviously it's been off the road for, over winter um so the last time i filled it up i reckon well there's still i think there's still half a tank in it and that's worth probably twice as much as it was worth when i filled it up <laughs> even <laughs> even the fuel tanks on 993s are appreciating assets yeah, these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> investment the fuel in it <laughs> on, on sunday i i um, got in well i've got the martini out of the garage uh, ready for sunday started up the little little red light at the bottom of flashing away oh no <laughs> ringwood ringwood whatever it is pickets cross or what, what's it called pickets i don't know pickets off. yeah yeah here i come <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's going to get to that stage soon that when it comes to renewing our insurance we're going to have to declare the to the insurance company if uh if we leave a full tank of fuel in the car overnight or not it's going to be it's going to be detrimental to the value of the car so <laughs> Yeah. Uh, don't worry. I'm on eBay selling siphon kits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> cracking. All right. Yeah. Look, I I think that's probably about it. Uh, just a couple of things that Andy and I would like to say is first of all, a huge thanks to our Patreons. Um, you guys and girls really are the bedrock of what we do on the podcast, really, and, and we really, really, really appreciate the support. So thank you for that. If yeah. there's anybody Not just listening the at home, support, it's the 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 feedback and the it's, um, it's fantastic the the um setting up the whatsapp group has really given a feedback loop that is so like drives you on each week to produce more and more so yeah really appreciate that feedback yes absolutely fantastic. 
Absolutely. So, um, yeah, look, if there's anybody listening at home and would like to get involved with our uh, Nineworks Patreon programme, there are many ways to do so, one of which is to click the link at the bottom of each episode. And I think, Andy, that takes it through to Patreon. It does, yeah. 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 Excellent stuff. Excellent. Um, it's quite kind of timely as well, because I'm pretty sure, like as we're recording this midweek, um, three quarters of the way through June, that it's probably around now that we're getting our 150,000th download Yes. for the podcast so you know again we're so chuffed with those numbers and um yeah just want to say thank you to everybody that listening and continues to make the, the podcast what it is yeah yeah absolutely well andy i don't know if you've scribbled it down but i definitely recommend some mileage in a future podcast on the porsches on the silver screen uh, oh yeah absolutely yeah yeah definitely some mileage in that one yeah i think we should do that definitely yeah Fantastic. yeah yeah there's yeah, well even yeah top gun is, is kind of yeah reignited that again at the moment bad boys yeah. two last year as well so yeah lee do you think we can um announce our hundredth celebration i think it would be prudent to announce that we are doing something i think let's hold off on the venue just for now until we've got uh until we've oh, got yeah. that ticked off yeah, yeah exactly that but um yeah 100 percent, andy if you fancy doing that yeah so um we well, when will it be it will be i'm trying end to think what the date was end of august yeah we'll be looking at doing a uh, an event somewhere in the uk um to celebrate our 100th episode um we'll be doing a live podcast well recording a podcast from there um invite as many people as we can from our past guest list and obviously all, all our listeners will be very welcome so yeah, keep keep uh, sort of dates open towards the end of August if you can. It's, um, yeah, I mean we've completely lied with the date, and that's my bad. I feel like I. Used to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, it's um, it's Sunday the seventh of August. So it's the the first Sunday in August. Um, so yeah, look, we can uh, we can make that happen. And James, I know you're over the water, but if you did want to pop over on the plane. 100% we'll be happy to pick you up from the airport and do Absolutely. the run so yeah. um yeah it's it, it's an option yeah you're very kind i'll see you at flat six show though i'm coming oh, over you're coming. the Excellent. car over for that so i'll, I'll see you there in a couple awesome. of weeks time awesome Absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've got some work to do on that thing behind to to be ready for flat six show got the uh, mot booked for next thursday uh then alignment with scott so that it's drivable <laughs> so yeah it's the plan is to have that flat six as well excellent be nice to have it back on the road yeah looking forward to it awesome all right guys and girls look thanks very much for joining us today thanks very much uh, to everybody listening at home as well we appreciate it as always we'll be back next week for some more stellar nine works radio content absolutely all right okay guys thanks for thank us. you really appreciate it thanks Mel. Good thank fun, you guys. Bye. cheers all thanks for your Bye. time tonight absolutely thanks, guys. Time. this episode was brought to you by our very kind patreons if you enjoy the podcast and would like to join them in supporting us, you can do so at patreon.com slash nineworksradio. Mm-hmm.